Hello, hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm Jessica Benoist Young. And I'm Melanie Reef. And this is Best Line. Worst Line. Where we watch movies, TV, other things, maybe someday. And we choose and discuss our best and worst lines from each. We have a really special week this week. We have we a do, guest, indeed. our first Yay! guest, <laughs> and um, you know it was really hard for me to book this guest. <laughs> I had to pull really, a lot really of strings. Really hard. <laughs> she is the associate director of the I Don't Mind Mental Health campaign. She's an environmentalist, a Potterhead, an armchair food critic. And a traveler. She currently lives in Salt Lake City with her cat, Will Farrell. She's the only person I know who cosplayed as Joan Wilder from Romancing the Stone at the age of four. Please welcome someone who's been on my movie trivia team many, many times, Christina Benoist. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Also, for this episode, I, I would be mad if I wasn't included. Yes. Because well, I have... Internally, Joan Wilder has always been a part of me. <laughs> yes. So, and I've been told that you potentially have those pictures. There are pictures. There were photo shoots. And I just keep thinking of this because, like, I asked mom, I was like, do you have the pictures or does Chrissy? She was like, well, Chrissy definitely has them, but she may have made copies. <laughs> That's like how important these photos are. <laughs> like I have copies, how I sign them, I pass it out. And then I was just <laughs> I mean, sitting and thinking about it, like after I watched this movie, right after, first of all, right after I watched this movie, I was like, okay, she had an outfit that was literally in this movie. <laughs> and then I was okay, like, so why did my I... mother buy buy that outfit for a four-year-old child you were in a you were in a khaki uh khaki gap skirt baby gap skirt Mm -hmm. and a like light blue button up long sleeve collared baby gap blouse you can buy that outfit for adult women and they wear it to work at the real gap and you just had the baby gap version and you had tights on and you had like a bun you did your bun yourself and she that's like Mm -hmm. almost exactly what she wears on on the bus to not Cartagena but she thinks she's on except her blouse is tan but other than that nailed it perfect Everyone else is dressing up like a princess, and I was Joan Wilder. Joan Wilder. <laughs> I mean, I think that is, that you know, I think that's the way to go. Joan Wilder was, um, she she started a little damsel in distressy, but she, she got there at the end. Like, she became, yeah. she became the hero at the end. Um, I had never seen this movie. I know, which I just, like, oh. couldn't believe. Okay, couldn't I Couldn't believe. Okay, so... So I did lecture Michelle Reef. <laughs> I called her immediately after I finished the movie. And oh, we should probably say we're doing for this oh, week. Yes, we're doing Romancing Romance the Stone. Stone. <laughs> Michael Douglas and um, the Kathleen Turner and Kathleen Turner and um, the Lost City, which is a 
homage to an update of Romancing the Stone with uh, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, which just came out. Um, so yeah, I called my mom and I was like, I have a bone to pick with you. And she's like, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> and I was like, how did I miss Romancing the Stone? And she was like, I don't know. And I, she was like, I think she hadn't watched it a ton. Like it wasn't necessarily on her cycle. Uh -huh. I was like, you should probably go back and rewatch yeah. this mom. Yeah. So I basically told her, I was like, she was like, I remember liking it. You're like, like, well, you yeah, failed Michael me. Douglas. <laughs> I know. And like, you know, she's like, well, add this to the long list. And I was like, okay. Um, and it's a long list of movies. There's not much other failures, but like long list of movies. Yeah. And I'm like, how did I not see? Why did you show um, this to me? But no, I had never seen this. That I makes me feel and... good that you watched it and you liked it yeah. because as I was rewatching it, I was like, do I love this because it's good or do I love it just purely for nostalgia? Right. Like I couldn't tell. So that makes me feel good that it, to someone that it's new to, you still enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I would say it's good. I definitely is definitely from the uh -huh. 80s. There are very much, th very many things that happen. Like, I mean, the Holland Taylor character and the whole like, I'm worried about you, not with a man. is like, yeah. I mean, I, actually, that's not just in the 80s. That happens in all movies now, too, with women. So like, that held up, unfortunately. But like, the Holland Taylor character, which like, Holland Taylor is another returning champ. Yes. We now have two yeah. Holland Taylor movies. But I, I thought it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. There are so Thoroughly. many... Like, I think that this is just going to be... First of all, I didn't see anything, like, terribly off-color about it. There were, like, maybe no. two or three just, like, words that Danny DeVito said maybe here and there where I was like, we can't, we can't say that anymore. But it was just, like, one word. It wasn't, like, a whole joke. It, he wasn't joking about it. It was just, like, that was what people said. That was the word they used. And it's, you know, like, racist or xenophobic and at the... Well, it still would be, but it wasn't considered really that at the time. And so not an well, excuse, it, it but it's been... like, I didn't, I didn't see any jokes it... that were like, oh, that is a terrible joke. It was just some outdated language well... mostly. But I think on the whole, this movie is like 100% classic material. Like this has all the material to be like the classic movie of its genre, honestly, because it did take two genres and smash them together when that really wasn't being done a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and it is considered the classic movie of the genre. Like people have tried to read, people have tried to do the adventure romance, like the jungle adventure romance many times. Yeah. And I mean, they're fine. I think did you, I, in my research, I saw that there was one um, with, uh, was it, it was Cindy Lauper oh, really? and a favorite of Oh, and a favorite of yours, Jessica, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, really? <laughs> there's a movie, there's a jungle romantic comedy adventure with it's Jeff called... Goldblum as the male lead that I have not seen. Apparently it's called Vibes, so look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we have some fodder for a future episode here. I'm writing this down. That could either be brilliant or it could be complete garbage. It could, I can't really I'm, tell. It could be an 80s pop soft porn. We don't know. <laughs> like, or it could be it could become so complete garbage that it's good. Yeah. It's sounding yes. like yes. it has the material. Yeah. It has the, the recipe, the ingredients to be so bad that it could be amazing. So I'm going to check this out. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. I just thought that it was a really good 
balance. And I will say that that I didn't necessarily get that same balance as as good from Lost City. I think mm-hmm. if you've got this action, adventure, romantic, comedy, what Romancing the Stone does very well is make sure all of those things are staying pretty well balanced. We have the romance from the beginning. We have comedy, but not too much comedy. And it's all very well situated within what's going on. And then we have like a very clearly thought out, clearly followed, clearly executed adventure plot. For those who haven't seen it, should we give a brief overview of what the movie is? (laughs) Who would like to try that? It's a little complicated trying to explain it, I think. I was going to say, I feel like this is Chrissy. (laughs) I feel like this might be Chrissy. (laughs) Oh my gosh, there's too much pressure. I feel like I can't explain it. (laughs) I can't do it justice. (laughs) If you have not seen this movie, pause this episode, go watch it. Like, you're not losing anything. Like, it's... We're, we wouldn't tell you, if this movie was like garbage, we'd be like, oh, well, we'll just explain it and they don't have to watch it. No, this is a classic. This is a classic movie. And you will be upset with your mother for not showing it to you if you haven't seen it yet. So mm-hmm. just just go watch it. Correct. Like, you know. Yeah. It's worth it. But like the general <laughs> overview, there's a writer who like, there's a, she's a romance writer who like comes up with these worlds and she herself is not in a romance and um, ends up kind of through circumstance, basically in the plot of one of her romance novels. Yes. Her sister, that, that yeah, her sister, her sister gets kidnapped and held ransom for a map that her husband, her Latin husband. American husband, had had in his possession, but he had mailed it to the sister. Somehow the Kathleen Turner character, Joan Wilder, ends up with it. They want her to bring it down to Columbia to them. So that's how the whole thing gets kicked off. But there are multiple groups of people also looking for this map. There's some sort of Colombian... What would you call him? He's He has some sort of military look to him. And he has connections with, like, local police departments, but I don't think he is, like, a government official or, like, a military. I think he's, like, a, like, <laughs> what? I don't know. He's got his own deal going on. Zolo. It's a cool name. I don't know. Zolo. Isn't that his name? It is a cool name. It's a great name for a bad guy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what, I don't think, is it ever explicitly said if he actually is, like, with the police? But he's very corrupt because he's just using all this all of his connections in Colombia to go after this after Joan Wilder and intimidation yeah. I mean he's using a lot of intimidation too. and then you have these American cousins Ira and what's Danny DeVito's character's name I don't know his character's name but he's always talking about Ira <laughs> he's always going Ira yeah, I can Ira. hear him say Ira <laughs> but I have no idea what so, his name is and the in my head, he was just Danny DeVito yeah, the whole time. That's, yeah, like, yes. So Danny, <laughs> Ira and his cousin Danny DeVito <laughs> are also are like some rich Americans that have been down there looking for this treasure. They're the ones who have kidnapped the sister. So Danny DeVito is in hysterical pursuit of Joan as well. And that's where I think... <laughs> Some of the best stuff in the movie comes from just because he is so funny. So I I thoroughly enjoyed Danny DeVito. 
Yes. Um, so yeah, do we want to jump right in? Do we want to start with best or worst? It was really um, hard to find a worst line for this one. Really hard. I I agree. I so Chrissy, I'm curious because this is like your first time doing this with us. Like, how did you go about looking for a best and worst line? Yeah, well, for Romancing the Stone, I feel like I've watched that movie so many times that I went into it kind of feeling like I already knew what I wanted to choose. But I okay. I also, as I was like kind of writing lines down as I was watching, I found myself just writing everything down. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I also feel like I leaned more towards like characters that I liked and that kind of like lended itself to the lines that I picked rather than just like the line itself. I don't know if that's how you guys look at it too, but it depends on the movie. Like for clue that like clue, I just wrote down everything and like same thing with legally blonde. I was just like, I'm just going to write down all of it. But, um, I don't know. I, I find that more with characters I don't like, like in, like when we did breakfast club, I wrote down like everything Bender said as a line I didn't Mm -hmm. like. And I was like, Oh, I just don't like the, I mean, I like the character, but I was like, I also didn't like the character, you know? So yeah, yeah. I've, I've been there. The, or in like, but with movies that are like clear, like has a line that like encapsulates the movie, like mm-hmm. um, some of the early ones we did, I was like, oh, the best line like stood out because it stood out. Okay. So what was, what was your best line then? I'm curious. Yeah. So my, I feel like I kind of, I did two of the things that you just mentioned. I leaned into all of Danny DeVito's lines. I feel like I just love I think he is so funny the entire time, and he just, like, all of the, his delivery is just, it's Danny DeVito, mm-hmm. and I can't get enough of it, <laughs> but um, I, I also picked. feel like, ooh, I wonder, because I also feel like I picked one that kind of, like, encapsulates the movie, so it's at kind ooh. of the end when, like, the action is, like, at its peak, and they have just found the stone, and... Danny DeVito is is like, oh, I'm I'm gonna be honest. At least like, I'm stealing this stone. I'm honest. At least I'm stealing yes. the stone, not trying to romance it out from under her. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yep. <laughs> and I knew going in, kind of like what you said, I was like, that's gonna be the line because mm-hmm. here's the thing, and I hate doing a title line. Like I tell myself I'm not gonna do it. I'm like. Yes, it's cheesy, I felt the same way. but in this case, it's like the title is so you don't know what it means. It's kind of a weird mm-hmm. title. It doesn't make any sense until you get about halfway through the movie, and then you're like, "Oh, they're going after a giant gem," and then he says that, and then you're like, "Oh, now I get it," and it is really clever. So usually, like, I would be like, "Oh, that title line's a little corny," but this one is clever, and it's a hilarious line because he's sitting there holding them at gunpoint, stealing from them. And he's like, I'm being honest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm being honest. I'm just (laughs) stealing. I'm stealing. This is honest. Yes. That was my best line too. So did you guys, really? did you choose the same best line (laughs) Mm -hmm. then? Yep. Yeah. I love that. Um, (laughs) I did not choose that line. It was a good line, but I think I was like, okay, that's the title of the movie. (laughs) I went a little, instead of, instead of looking at like funny lines, like I had several funny lines that I wrote down and I was like, I just enjoyed the line. Like, um, I could have been a cosmetic surgeon, 500,000 a year up to my neck and tits and ass. I just thought that was a great line. And like, I also just like my musical theater nerd in me, like really appreciated that Michael Douglas said the line, like 
tits and ass always makes me think of Chorus Line. Yes. Michael Douglas is in the Chorus Line movie. Mm-hmm. Jessica, you know my thoughts about the Chorus Line movie, but I did have to call that out. Um, I despise the Chorus Line movie, but yeah, yeah. Um, that's fair. I um, so I like that. It's not um, fair. I had. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Christina. Thank you. I appreciate this. Um, Terrence man. I love Terrence man. No. Yes. No. I will watch it just for Terrence man and Michael Douglas. I know you're not supposed to see Michael Douglas's face, but you do. And it's fine. The song What I Did for Love. (laughs) The song What I Did for Love is about the love of theater, not the love of a person. Unless that person is Michael Douglas. (laughs) Oh, we digress. This is another episode we're going to have to do. Ugh. Okay. Um, all right. So the other, I, I also loved, these were Italian. Now they're practical. I loved, I wrote that I down. I that loved that. Line. I'll also, get bus sick, we... plane sick. Go oh, for sorry. it. Go ahead, Melanie. You finish. I was going to say, you get bus sick, plane sick, seasick, train sick. You practically puke riding the escalator at Bloomingdale's, for God's sake. A lot of well, people, lot get, of people sick get sick in department stores. <laughs> I mean, there are just so many, like, witty comeback lines. that And Kathleen Turner t- delivers them all well. Marijuana? Oh, you smoke it? I went to college. Um, but for my best line, I actually went more serious. Um, I went with the Michael Douglas's monologue when they're in the airplane hangar. Um, so, like, part of the monologue. Came down here on a coffee boat about a year and a half ago. Christ, what a job that was. But I couldn't get over the ocean, you know? I love the ocean, you know? Just kind of... Get out there all by yourself. Nobody else around. It was beautiful. So that's what I want. You're just going to sail away all by yourself. And that, so I would say the first part of that, you know, just kind of get out there all by yourself. Nobody else around. It was beautiful. That just kind of encapsulates to me, like, what, how, how his character starts this movie and kind of leads into this, his motivation too. And when, when you are at that part of romancing the stone, quote unquote, um, he, he's starting to fall for her, but also he has this dream that like, he's still kind of going for and you see where that comes from and you see how his character develops throughout that, that process. Mm -hmm. And I just thought he delivered it. So it was like almost like an Emilio Estevez moment for me, like in breakfast club where it was just like everything paused and it got serious for a sec. And so I've just really appreciated that moment. I don't think I ever fully put it together as a kid that he was putting marijuana on that fire. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. Like, that is, had just went over my head. Then I kind of forget about it, too. And I, t- I don't remember. the. I probably watched this movie, like, seven or eight years ago. would be the last time I watched it, maybe. And he's, like, throwing the bricks on the fire. And I was like, I don't, I didn't know he did that. What's going on? <laughs> I also now understand why, why sh- Joan Wilder passes yes, out. Face because first. I can yeah. only imagine how high the two of them were in that scene. Oh, it's wild. Yeah, I mean, the, the amount of marijuana they had to just ingest in that scene is just really, truly amazing. I, um, how was I going to say it? There was another part that I was just like, I just loved, I just love Kathleen Turner. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, Kathleen Turner is like Chandler's dad. Like, that was my mm-hmm. first introduction yeah. to Kathleen Turner as Chandler's dad. And so seeing her in this role, I was just like, oh, okay. She did have this whole, like, femme fatale career before. Like, body heat, apparently, mm-hmm. I now need to go watch. So. There was one line that I, for, like, cannot figure out why. But I could not stop laughing. 
I'm talking for the next 15 minutes. And they're, they get to this village. Do they get to Cartagena? Are they in Cartagena when they're in the village? No. no. I don't think they're... Not Juan's village, but the one where there's like okay. the dancing and the festival going on and stuff. So they're not there yet. It's where they're going to so. get the bus to Cartagena. Mm-hmm. And they've changed and they're having their like romance and all this stuff. And, and Joan has left the map in her purse. And they were sitting on this little terrace dining area. And Danny DeVito's like crawling under tables to try to get to her purse. And this woman like drops her napkin and it lands on his arm and she looks down and he goes, I lost my Langostino and I don't know why I could not stop. And I like a couple minutes would go by and then I would just look back down at my note and start laughing again. And like something totally different was going on in the movie. And I don't know why I thought that was so funny. But Danny DeVito I, nails that it. Whole sequence. And speaking of Juan, Juan is yes. so good. Like Juan is so hilarious in this movie. I think that my like what I really wanted was to choose one of Juan's lines, but they're all like up here and they're all so good <laughs> that I couldn't pick mm-hmm. just one. John Wilder? Vision Wilder? I'm glad that you say that. Oh, he I feel like any anything that he says, like it really ha- gives no context to the movie. Like it doesn't right. really make any sense. But his delivery is just magic, and it, everything that he says has me just like cackling. Yes. It's so funny, and and like it, it's just a character. Like he creates this very very vivid, detailed character for like ten minutes of screen time, maybe. 10 to 12 minutes of screen time. He doesn't like phones, but he does have a copy machine. He's reading romance novels to an entire gang of Colombian drug runners every Saturday night. Cool. Um, He has this gigantic (laughs) four-wheeler off-road vehicle that... um, My little mule. That he calls his little mule. And then when they're driving, when they're escaping, because Zolo and his crew catch up to Jack and Joan in Juan's village, he, like, stops for a pig in the middle of the road, and <laughs> Jack is like, what are you doing? And he's like, I can't hurt my favorite pig. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I love it. It's so fantastic. And then the whole, like, Lupe's escape thing, I loved that. When he was saying that Lupe... What did Lupe become? Lupe did a very normal job. Lupe was a gigantic disappointment to the family because he didn't go into drug running. <laughs> like, I I don't know. I just thought that character is so perfect. And it makes me want to watch Three Amigos every time I see him, too. Because I don't know the actor's name. I'll have to look it up. It's and... Alfonso. Mm, I wish I could remember his, last... his first name's Alfonso. That's all I know. I believe it. <laughs> Very helpful. <laughs> I know. He was, that was, the turn, I didn't, because I hadn't seen this before, I hadn't, didn't expect the turn that he had. Like, I was like, oh, they're not going to get anywhere with this guy. And then he was like, Joan Wilder. Yeah. I was like, I just laughed so hard when he was like this, like, you know, he was like, oh, it's Joan Wilder. It's Joan Wilder. I read your books. And like, that was how, like, that was so unexpected to me that they just like loved yeah. her. 
like her and her book. And it's funny. It's and so funny. It's so funny. It's so like out of character. Like it seems it's so seemingly out of character and it's just so funny. So that was like I loved that moment. I also just like anything the Danny DeVito crawling sequence was just great. And can we go back to that scene for a second? Because um I guess forward to that scene. Um not the Danny DeVito crawling, but I just wanna like call out Michael Douglas dancing here. And there's something and I because I wrote this down for both movies, like the man dancing, I was like, um, hello. And like for Lost City, I mean Channing Tatum is a sexy dancer anyway, but I like yeah. it all caps. I just wrote down like Channing Tatum is sexy. Mm-hmm. And whew, we'll get to that more later, but that scene that scene did something. <laughs> what was Michael Douglas's outfit though? I no. No. Shirt? Yes. Sash? Okay. White pants? Nope. Nope. No, it was not I loved doing it. it for I me. I thought it was great. <laughs> no, and they were different shades of white. The shirt was a little like creamish. The pants were white. And the sash I mean, with the, the black sash instead of a belt. I couldn't do it. I was like, and for, and then on top of that, I wrote down, how much was $375 in Colombia in 1984? Because he spends a ton of money as soon as he gives it to her. It's like, okay, if you just went ahead and spent all of her money, you could have just let her keep the money <laughs> like, and buy the stuff. Because it's not really like a gift of an outfit to her when you also bought yourself an expensive outfit and you just spent all the money that she literally just gave you. <laughs> They go out to yeah. eat. He gets her the necklace. So three, I'm in my head. I'm like, okay, three hundred and seventy-five dollars in Colombia in 1984 must have been like fifteen hundred bucks or something, because he buys her a nice necklace. Which where did he find that? This is a tiny village. They're also having like, look, they're having like a langostino and champagne dinner at a terrace restaurant, and then he gets them two full nice like handmade looking outfits and then okay so in my head they were gifted it by the villagers oh okay okay i was i mean (laughs) because i was like oh they were the people people saw that they were in dire straits so i thought it was just like the kindness of their hearts that they just i like that better (laughs) but then he did still spend her money on a necklace for her you know he had to do something romantic obviously but white pants yeah uh, if the villagers just gave him those pants fine but if he picked those pants out i'm not into it (laughs) uh well you'll have to you'll have to talk to him about a sense of style um while we're in critiquing what we didn't like about the movie shall we transition to our worst lines because i as i agree this was hard like i didn't have have too many that i was like clunkers i I do have one chrissy chrissy do you I do, yeah, and this is, like, super small. It really isn't that important in the movie, but it's when they are around the weed campfire, and he's, like, kind of giving – Michael Douglas is giving her a hard time about everything that's happened to them, and Kathleen Turner is like, you know, all you care about is yourself. I knew it from the minute I laid eyes on you. And as I was watching it, I'm like – you have known him for a <laughs> couple hours, less than 12 <laughs> hours at, at most. And you have like kind of dragged him into this complete nightmare adventure. 
And I get that she's, like, this hopeless romantic and she wants, like, a gentleman or a white in shining armor kind of scenario, but I was just like, what do you mean <laughs> since the minute you laid eyes on him? Like, yeah. he saved your life in that moment. I don't know. I That just drove me nuts. That's true. He did save her life in that moment. Like, he doesn't only care about himself. He saved yeah. her. Like He didn't have yeah. to do any of it. She kind of, like, emotionally no. blackmailed him and then bribed him to escort her through and and he had just and he had just gotten done telling her that he lost eight thousand dollars and he doesn't know that it was her fault but she does and she doesn't seem to feel bad Mm -hmm. about that at all not that i um not that i condone or not that i i (laughs) i don't support his choice to kidnap native birds from the Colombian jungle and uh, black market shipped them up to pet stores in the United States. But that's what he was doing. And he lost $8,000 when she made the bus crash into his car. So, and, and that's never like her guilt over that is never really addressed. And she, and he never finds out that it was her fault that the bus crashed. So yeah, she doesn't really, I know she's very stressed about her sister, but she never really is like, oh, what am I putting this man through who really did not have to do any of this for me whatsoever? Mm-hmm. True. I um, I also do have a worse line. It is, there were definitely a few that I was just like, meh, on. But I, like, there's something about this line. It was towards the end that I was just like, this is what they came up with. This is This was the threatening line that they came up with. And it was Zolo's line at the very, like, towards the end where they're, like, where he's, like, about to, like, it seems like he's going to kill Joan. And he says, how will you die, Joan Wilder? Slow, like a snail, (laughs) or fast, like a shooting star? I I was like, that? (laughs) I thought the same thing. That is the threat that they came up with? Like, of all, slow, like a snail? Like, that? And the way he's delivered it, too, it just made it so much more dramatic than that line actually deserved. So I was just like, that was what, that's the threat that we've got, right? From, From this, like, Colombian military corrupt like guy who could easily have just killed her easily and that's I feel like Zolo the best part about Zolo is that he's like just this like silent yeah. really like stoic killer so the fact that one like one of his two lines is that <laughs> it's nails really and shooting stars okay it's like <laughs> that's such a letdown I just did have one like honorable mention that I can't make it my worst line because now I love this. I'm going to start looking for them. But there was a mafia. There was a mafia moment. Like when Jeremy Irons in House of Gucci just yells mafia. We had kind of a just exclamation of a group of people. When Zolo's people show up on horses and I think it's Danny DeVito yells Mounties. And I was like, that's so dumb. It's dumb. (laughs) But now I like it because now I just think that the just shouting out the name of a group of people is hilarious to me. (laughs) So I can't make it my worst line, but I think it was pretty bad. (laughs) I also did really like, it's hard, taken out of context, it's hard, but if I give the context, I really liked this line at the very end when she is talking with um, her publisher and the publishers just finished the book that she wrote about the whole thing that had just happened. 
And she says, oh, you really are a hopeless romantic Joni. And, and Joan says, hopeful, hopeful mm-hmm. romantic. And I thought that was really sweet because she's still, it's been like three or four months, which well, she turned that book out. But yeah, it's been a couple months and she's still waiting for for Jack to come rescue her from New York, I guess, and whisk her away romantically. And then he does. So in the middle of Manhattan, he had to go get that crocodile first, which that was another one of my favorite lines, too. I think it's in the very beginning when they first have kidnapped Elaine. Ira and Danny DeVito and Danny DeVito and Ira, the cousin who I guess is mm-hmm. the intimidating one and kind of the one in charge. He's obsessed They're with both goons. But what would they be? They'd be they'd be cro- alligators or caimans or something. I don't know if they'd be crocodiles. I think they'd be gators or ca- I'd have to watch again to see what they actually were. But he I says no somebody's Somebody's going to get killed and you're farting around with prehistoric animals. And I just liked it because I really, I really like, um, I really like those guys. I like large reptiles. I like those guys. guys. I'm glad that they got a nice big snack at the end, but I didn't, and I didn't like that Jack turned that one into boots. He didn't know. It wasn't his fault that he, he didn't even want that emerald he didn't want that he just wanted the hand he just wanted the meat he didn't want to eat that emerald he didn't need to die and be turned into jack's boots no he did not he did not need r.i.p i thoroughly enjoyed this movie i did have a bit of trivia that i like because i went on like i did some research afterwards maybe not trivia but they reshot a lot of it so apparently like the studio like really didn't like it the first cut of the film And is what Douglas said. And so Zemeckis, another returning champion. We've done now done two Zemeckis movies. It wasn't really like we had a big screening or anything. It was just the main creative executive. We were kind of looking at it and realized we needed to shore up a lot of Kathleen's storyline. And all that stuff at the beginning where she's just generally at her apartment writing by herself. We went back and shot that stuff. And I realized this because I found a version of the script where I was like trying to follow along and watch the movie. I was like, this isn't, Hmm. this isn't what they're saying. And like totally different. And I'm so glad they reshot it because what I read was not good. (laughs) So I'm glad that this ended up as the cut because it like moved a lot faster. Like the, the exposition leading up to her getting, going to Columbia was just like, I mean, it probably was like 10 pages longer Hmm. of like her writing. And like, there was a whole thing with her, a different publisher, the publisher was male, like it was a whole different setup and really made a lot more of her like lonely spinsterness, which I'm, I really liked that they didn't do that. Yeah. So that was an interesting bit of trivia. And yeah, it was, I thought it was really interesting that they reshot it and then they did make the sequel. Have you guys seen the Nile mm-hmm. one? The, yeah. the sequel? Not Have as... we seen Jewel of the Nile? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I'm sorry, Christina. Of course you have. It's okay. It's okay. I think probably at like a 25% ratio to how much I've seen Romancing the Stone, though. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely not as good, but I feel like it's still just Kathleen Turner being Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas being Michael Douglas. Well, Melanie, you told me some crazy stuff about the sequel. And it sounds to me like the sequel was accursed. Oh, yeah. Maybe we don't need to yes. talk about this on Friday the 13th. Maybe we don't. <laughs> but I don't know. It was really interesting. Yeah. Like there, was a, there were several people who, like, there was a plane crash that some crew members mm-hmm. died when they were going to shoot it. 
and then like the well, and Kathleen, Kathleen Turner. Turner and Michael Douglas were almost in a plane crash as well. Uh huh. And Kathleen Turner really didn't like the script initially because it wasn't written by this woman, the woman who wrote *Romancing the Stone*, and she had also died in like a car crash, like right, right after, after she finished. Or she she did right come do some consulting, disc- and mm-hmm. so at some point during the filming, she died in the car. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, it was just there were a lot of things that happened to the second one, and so like they rewrote stuff on the script, or like while they were shooting to make it palatable to Kathleen Turner, I guess. Um, so yeah, they re they read it a lot of. Then it. I read this. Then I read, I think this was just on the Wikipedia page, I read that um, this was like the first, I don't know who the director was, but it was like their first action movie. And they found out pretty quickly that this guy like had no idea like how, like he just wasn't prepared to take on this large of a movie. And so they had this huge, one of the big fight sequences that had like almost the entire cast of like extras and stunt people and all of this, they got the whole thing set and he didn't have the film. He didn't have any film set aside for that day. And it's like a big thing. Like, I don't think I understand. And I'm sure there are like film people out there, like industry people out there. Who are like you, you, you're dumb, but, but getting this, getting your actual raw film is like a process that you have to plan in advance you can't just go like somebody get me film. <laughs> so they got the whole day set up and couldn't do anything. So then Michael Douglas, Michael Douglas, like I feel like probably just reading about this movie, I think this movie probably aged him ten years. <laughs> probably aged him like a solid ten years. Just. Because he was the executive producer of these movies. It was his money on the line. and mm-hmm. But he clearly loved them because apparently for 20-something years, he continued to try to get a third movie made. Then he tried to get a reboot made yeah. in the early 2000s with Katherine Heigl and possibly Gerard Butler when they were kind of the romance couple. I'm glad we didn't do a re- reboot. And then there was... Um, but I guess he may have finally had some movement on a mini series, is what I saw last. That somebody's potentially trying to get a Romancing the Stone mini series going. Don't know. Fascinating. I don't know how that plot works in a mini series, but sure. Um, but speaking of reboots or yeah. like refreshes, shall we talk about the Lost City? Yes. So I, as we said, I really didn't write a lot down. I kind of was just. I'm just going to come right out and say it. I just let this movie entertain me. I really did. Like, from very early on, I was just, like, chuckling and giggling. And I was just like, I don't I, I don't know what else this movie is trying to do. But I'm laughing, so I'm just going to keep laughing. So most of what I wrote down was just stuff that I was like, that was, that was silly. I did sort of pick up on what they were on, you know, some more of the themes a little bit later once the plot started picking up. And, you know, I just didn't feel like they they dove too deep on any of them. It was just kind of like, yeah. here they are, <laughs> uh, you know, and they just 
stick it up on the wall. They're like, we gender flipped. <laughs> we have this, you know, metaphor thing we're going to throw in there, you know. You know, so it wasn't like too deep. It wasn't anything that was like artistically woven through the rest of the film. It was just like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. Boom. <laughs> Look at it. So do I think that this was like some fantastic update or necessary, necessary, memorable thing? No, but I laughed like a lot. So <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I was thoroughly I... entertained by it. Go ahead, Christina. Mm-hmm. I feel like what you were saying earlier, Jess, about like the balance that romancing the stone has, I feel like this movie, it is just like, it's entertaining, but I feel like they couldn't crack the rom-com adventure code. Right. Like, towards the end, I feel like the the front half of the movie is so funny, and there's uh-huh. so much comedy, and then it's like purely adventure in the middle, uh-huh. and then the last like half hour is just like purely sentimental and serious. Right. So it just felt like, wait, it felt like three different movies yes. almost. yeah. And that was, I think, I feel like I can take it for what it is, but I also, there were some things where I'm like, why is happening? Right. Like, why is, this flow doesn't make sense to me. Instead of dialing in each of these aspects throughout each scene, it was like, this scene is exposition. This scene is funny. This scene is mm-hmm. exposition for the action. And then this scene's going to be funny yeah. again. Then we've got to get the action part going and yeah instead of being like we need to make sure there's a little bit of this and a little bit of this in each scene you know Mm -hmm. to the point where you can sit there and go oh yeah this was a funny scene you shouldn't be able to say that like Mm -hmm. they should all just blend together as part of the plot and have elements of each but like one of my one of the scenes that i thought was the funniest is actually, like, complete pause on everything that's going on in the movie when she's, like, taking the leeches off of him. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yes, that's so funny. Yes. But, like, I thought the that movie... was so unnecessary. Oh, I thought, oh it's totally unnecessary. <laughs> I mean, I just, it just grossed, it grossed me out so much. Just, I was like, I don't, did not need this. It was gross, but just his reactions <laughs> to it were just killing yeah. me. Like, everything he said while he was like, they're sucking my soul out. <laughs> Yep. Hysterical just... Channing Tatum is like one of my favorite. My things. favorite. I was, I was just gonna say that like Channing Tatum playing like leaning into like ridiculous Channing Tatum mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. like he has found like he could easily have gone that like serious actor route and all like you know following Magic Mike and all. I mean not that Magic Mike was serious actor but like you know like following a lot he could have gone in like a action star way that it was like very different than the way that he his career has gone and I love love that he's just silly and he knows that he can take this like really sexy guy and just be silly and goofy and sentimental and like there was a line about like Gloria Steinem he was like don't mansplain feminism to me and I was just yes. like I love that like that, yes. that was a yes. great that like, yes. whole, like that whole yes. exchange with it's like, like well, I believe that a woman self. can do whatever a man can Steinem? do <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's like you can't also all I can think about because it's like Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock and Brad Pitt and Who, as I, I was watching that. it I'm like are, did all of these people just sign on to this movie for like the vacation, probably like Brad Pitt 
his working with like Quentin Tarantino and like David Fincher, there is no reason for him to be a part of this movie other than like the location. I yeah. feel like he's Although so funny was, in this movie. It was filmed in the Dominican Republic. When I was first okay, watching so it, I figured it was, location. I was thinking it was in like Southern Latin America or South America. That's what it looked like to me. And I looked it up and it was mostly yeah. filmed in the Dominican Republic. Hmm. Also, where was it supposed to take place? Like a completely made up thing? I think okay. so. Okay. Cause um, I was like, they show, they show a couple different maps that didn't line up. To, in my brain yeah. at all <laughs> and Trevor's like I think they were over by Africa I'm like I think they were by South America and then he's like but there was a map where they were like in the middle in the middle of the ocean in the middle of nowhere where there are no yeah. islands and I'm like oh okay so I guess they just made it up <laughs> yeah because it was like a volcano had like like this this like lost city had like risen from something like that's what I got like the volcano was like it was like lava. But it was still a was pretty big up. island. It, was, it doesn't scientifically make sense, really, the way they had explained it. Like, I know that's how islands are made, but like, also like over the way that they thousands and thousands, thousands, and thousands of years. Of yeah, of that's years. why I'm like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, like this lost city isn't just going to spring up over like overnight. Like, hi, we found it. Yeah. So the the science of it all did not work. Can we take a moment and talk about? Um, evil daniel radcliffe i loved because it because i it. when i told Give me many so more called, movies of that <laughs> that's what i said too i called my parents and like immediately i was like you guys i was like i have a movie for you you guys should watch lost city because this is totally their type mm-hmm. of movie like it's camp like i it's campy it is like this was far campier than romancing the oh yeah, 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 yeah far campier and like i think like I mean, yeah, it didn't have all the elements of, like, romance, action, adventure. And I was like, oh, this is just pure camp, and it's fun. Um, and so I called my parents. I was like, you guys will love this. You have to watch it. And it was like, and I was saying who was in it. And I was like, and Daniel Radcliffe plays the bad guy. And both of them, like, in the same tone of voice go, really? <laughs> like, I mean, they were just so shocked by that. Because they're both, like, Harry Potter people and everything. And they're like, huh. And so, so I was like, and he was great. Funny. He was so good as the bad guy. It just makes me kind of, like... I'm glad he didn't do a lot of, like, big, big stuff right after Harry Potter, because I think he could have very easily mm-hmm. gotten himself shoehorned and typecasted. But I kind of go back and look at the Harry Potter movies, and I'm like, man, they did you dirty, kid. Like, almost like a Hayden Christensen type thing, where it's like, they didn't okay. really let you act very much at all, just well, because of, like, how the character is written and how that character's supposed to come off. And... And he and, and also Daniel how he Radcliffe was discovered is, like is an amazing character actor. He's an amazingly funny human being, like just naturally funny. If you ever hear him like on a podcast or do an interview, like he's witty and clever. And he, I think, all of those things make him really, really well suited to to play exactly this kind of role, like a a soft core villain, like a money villain you know (laughs) not obviously he's not gonna be like uh you know some big uh physically intimidating villain guy but like you know kind of a weaselly guy (laughs) i did not mean to do that um (laughs) (laughs) kind of like a um you know more of a yeah like a billionaire a billionaire Mm -hmm. manipulative kind of um selfish type string pulling villain he he was so i i loved when when he was trying to butter her up when he first has her brought 
to the plane hangar and he's like, I heard you like cheese, but I didn't like, I didn't know which one. So I just got all of them. It's <laughs> just like yeah. three and, 12 foot long tables full covered with cheese. with cheese. And she's just like, okay. <laughs> what a waste of cheese though. When the mm-hmm. airplane hangar opens and then there's the airplane. Rude. What a waste. Um, okay. I did have to, but like going about the plot though. And I mean, you guys have obviously seen Romancing the Stone way more than I have, but like this mapped pretty closely, like the big plot points of like yeah. the big things to Romancing the Stone. It mapped pretty close. Like yeah. the dancing scene, you have yes. the guy whose name I'm forgetting right now, the guy who played Oscar in um, The mm-hmm. Office is kind of like a Juan yes. character. Yeah. And so, the like, there's. Man yeah, I don't know I like what that is, that. but I like the sound of it. <laughs> I mean, the publisher plays a different role, and I like that they have another role for a woman here. Like, that's good. Mm-hmm. But, like, it mapped pretty Yeah, closely. they hit all the same beats for sure. Yeah, and I think then what they really wanted to do was kind of like what I mentioned before, is that they wanted to, like, just sort of gender flip it and be like, well, what if the guy was the kind of hopeless one that actually needed rescuing? Um, but they didn't go, they didn't go like too far into it. They both sort of come in with, I don't want to say he really comes in with that many strengths, honestly, actually, but it's not like either of them are capable or like, he's empathetic. He, he he's very thoughtful. That he's empathetic. He, he brings snacks. He cares about mm-hmm. her way more than she, way more but than it's she like, realizes. Neither of them are suited to do this, but they both kind of grow into it instead of one of them being a damsel in distress and one of them being the rescuer which he kind of jokes about it he's like i'm the damsel in distress in this scenario like that's kind of when they were like look look they put it on the wall they're like look what we did (laughs) because he does more fit that like female gender role from the earlier you know adventure rom-coms and stuff but i don't think they take it too far because he is like he's buff and he is capable, and and they never put her out to be like they bring in another character, another man to sort of be like the the guy who's well suited for the jungle, is the Brad Pitt character. So it's not like she's even rescuing him. It's kind of that they're working through it together, which is why I don't understand why they didn't, how they couldn't have dialed in the romance earlier on. I think it was maybe a weird choice to have him be like secretly crushing on her and have it be very one way the whole time. Whereas like if it had been a mutual secret crush or they had just been like kind of just friends. Or if they both hated each other. But then then you don't get him going after her. I think there had to have right, been that's true. a reason he went after her. And in the beginning... It is kind of like, I think he's just, the way I saw it was, he's just that kind of guy. Like, he just doesn't want anything to happen to her because he respects her, he likes her, he realizes they have a business relationship. But then it was kind of like, as soon as the Brad Pitt character came on and started talking to him, then we all of a sudden are being told that he's in love with her secretly. And I was like, well, I don't think Mm -hmm. we needed that. It just wasn't, I don't think, I think choosing that dynamic from the beginning, I think we could have also seen her be immediately 
receptive to the fact that he came after her, you know, and that he was invested in whatever their relationship was. Whereas she just kind of is like, oh, you shouldn't have come because you're annoying me. And there was Mm -hmm. way too much of that for them to, like Chrissy was saying, like right at the end, be like, oh, but romance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I also feel like they, I feel like Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum just don't have great chemistry. No, I don't think, I think I love her and I, I think Sandra Bullock phoned this one in. I think she played a very Sandra Bullock character. I think, like mm -hmm. very Sandra Bullock I think that what was probably said was, you're not the comedy lead. He is. No, she was the straight man. But I think she took that a little too far. I think Mm -hmm. people generally do want a little bit more of her, like, quirkiness and her charm and her wit. And we got, like, kind of just angry, mopey barely acting Sandra Bullock for like 85% of the movie. <laughs> yes. I was so that doesn't about, help with like, chemistry at all. If they had had some more scenes mm-hmm. where they were both being a little, you know, where they were matching each other's energy, maybe some of that could have like manifested. But that didn't really happen until the very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, I feel like she plays such a similar character as she does in The Proposal. Mm-hmm. That, like, kind of condescending yes. and, like, really harsh character. But in that, there's, like, some development with her and you get, get to know her story a little bit mm-hmm. more. It's the in same that thing with reality. Yeah, yeah. But then in this, it's like, you, you know and you want to, like, be really empathetic to why she is the way that she is. But it also just, like... They just, like, flip the script so fast, and yeah. all of a sudden, like, they're in love. Yeah. And it's like, you don't yeah. get that same development that you At do all. in, like, right. no. in previous Sandra Bullock movies. And, like, he has a monologue talking about, like, you kind of hear that her husband died, and you kind of hear that she, like, a little of her backstory. But then you get his whole monologue about, like, he, like, she, like, is very rude to him. It's like, mm-hmm. you're, like, you're just here and all this. And he, he was like yeah I because I wanted to travel and like you underestimate me and like I like this whole thing of like yeah this is why I ended up modeling and I got this gig and I was so embarrassed at first and then I realized it makes people happy like yeah and so why are you condescending like I think that was actually like one of my options for best line if not like something Mm -hmm. that I was like I think the the end of that you know it's ironic I thought you have or no not that I didn't like that part but like but don't minimize the people who love your work by calling it schlock yeah like, mm-hmm. that I thought was, like, such a good – don't minimize the people who love your work. Mm-hmm. Like, that was such – like, not – don't minimize your work. Don't minimize you. Don't minimize the people yeah. who love it by calling it And shock. that like, he I, takes – love that so much. And that he, like, sees how important it is. And he takes pride, even though it's this tiny little part, but he takes pride in his association with her, with her work, and what she's, be, what she's able to give to people. And, like, that she just – doesn't see it at all because she is so like jaded from what's happened to her husband and stuff and like I thought that was really sweet and yeah I just think there could have been more of that like peppered through instead of just in like the last third of the movie and yeah I don't know I'm not I don't think it was bad no it just wasn't romancing it just didn't like (laughs) I think it set a really high bar 
and it just didn't quite get its own like get up to its own bar really yeah i i think i'm gonna say that um that that was my best line i i think that was a good one i started to write it down and then i got like lazy because <laughs> he was talking so much so i didn't write the whole thing down but what I what I did write down that he said that was just very, I'll have to like see if I can find the whole audio because because we we talk about how they dump all the romance on us right at the end, so we go through this whole thing. Sandra Bullock reads the hieroglyphics that she managed to learn under duress in twelve hours or so here, twenty four hours. She just <laughs> learns this whole hieroglyphic language, but she's. They finally get to this tomb where supposedly Daniel Radcliffe thinks there's going to be a crown full of rubies or red diamonds or something like that. And it wasn't. It was, there's the legend of these two ancient rulers from this ancient civilization. And what the crown actually was, was red seashells that the husband, the king, had gone out every day and found on the beach to give to this woman, the who became the queen mm-hmm. to woo her. And that was her greatest treasure was just these seashells because it represented their romance. So she gets done telling this whole story and Daniel Radcliffe says, so the treasure, this whole thing was just a cheap metaphor. And uh, Channing Tatum's mm-hmm. character says, actually, it's a very rich metaphor. <laughs> and I just, I that was that. great. That was like my favorite thing. I just thought, I was like, oh, that's adorable. And yes, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of, they never come out and say it. I wish they would have made a little bit bigger of a deal of the fact that like he reads the books and he likes them and he does get romance. Like he gets the rom- the romantic literature he understands romance they they show it a little bit but they never like come out and have him say like i love your books um or i you know we could have also leaned into like he is played very very much as a himbo he's very ditzy but mm-hmm. like why couldn't he also have just been a big bookworm and occasionally been like you know because he does talk about it a little bit. They just never, like, come right out and say, oh, yes, he's read every single one of her books. And <laughs> he knows what he's talking about when it comes to uh, romantic fiction. Um, totally. I just thought that was really I, cute. I liked that scene. And he's smarter. Even though it was, a, it was yeah. a, a romance dump, I thought that it was really cute. You know? Yeah, I would agree. I like he's smarter than they give him credit for in a lot of the movies. Like that's I think the point is like he's smarter yeah. than in like he's a feminist, you know? There's he's smarter <laughs> than than they initially give him credit for. And like okay, I mean, I'm just going to say this again because Channing Tatum dancing is one of the sexiest things that you can film. Mm-hmm. I I just I, I didn't see that. I was just like <laughs> Watching, I I didn't write anything down because when they started dancing, I was just like, uh huh, uh huh, okay, yep, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, all right. Uh-huh. Actually, yeah. there was a yeah. minute where I was, I was like, like... <sighs> Sandra Bullock does not have the the stamina <laughs> to keep up with mm-hmm. this, and then he like, then they no. pull back, well... and there's a perfect dip, and I'm like, I don't think that was her. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. It I, probably well, was, but I was just like, uh, yeah. Not like, I just don't was, think Sandra Bullock's a dancer. I could be totally wrong. Maybe she is. Maybe I she was really acting like dancer. she couldn't dance. Oh, no, I think she, I think she is a really? dancer, actually. Like, I feel and like she I've did a good that. job yeah, no, acting she like is. she couldn't dance with him. Um, he, well, he's just, like, such a good dancer that, like, anybody is gonna look less than while dancing, unless you are, like, in Step Up, anybody else is gonna look less than if you're a partner dancing with Channing Tatum. Did you guys catch, like, did you know that it was Brad Pitt as Jack Trainer From this that, voice? Like, yeah. I, you did? Yeah. I didn't. Because, like, when it, when it was, like, I, I wrote literally... Fuck yeah, Brad Pitt. Because I was like, like, I just did not expect Brad Pitt to be. And like, I love when Brad Pitt just like makes fun of himself. I also like one of my favorite tropes in movies, and it really only happens in two um, that I can think of. This one and um, Burn After Reading is the surprise Brad Pitt getting shot. Because it's I just totally so... forgot about that. <laughs> like, like uh, out of nowhere, Brad Pitt got shot. Like, and that's my favorite. Like, I did not like Burn After Reading. I'm a big Burn After fan. Did not oh like my god, movie. I love that one so much. <laughs> that oh. that part of Burn After Reading though was like my last. <laughs> so hard um but like the surprise bad pick getting shot is like one of my favorite new tropes in movies like (laughs) i just have to say too i i really appreciated again we'll just say this is one of my favorite tropes now in entertainment is uh guys in flowy white shirts using the final countdown as their intro music (laughs) because <laughs> he comes on to the final countdown and I and immediately thought of Job in Arrested oh. Development coming on and doing his little dancing and I was like so this is just like the cheesy dude intro music now I like that <laughs> absolutely there were a bunch of lines in this that were very clever like I wrote down a bunch of clever lines that weren't necessarily my best line um Christina, what was what was your best line? Oh yeah, we did. Even yeah, know. my best line was. Um, Sorry, we're not I, used to having. I feel guests. like I. Just, <laughs> I feel like just this is like purely for the comedy. It's really, it's like it's the scene with the leeches, and I completely get your point, Melanie. It has it I absolutely it. no purpose. I loved it. But so gross. like I said, hysterical Channing Tatum <laughs> is just one of my favorite things, and I, <laughs> I love when he's like. I'm feeling faint. They're sucking my soul out. I'm like a blood jamba juice. When he says that, I lost it. It's so funny. I loved that whole scene. Okay, uh, don't panic. What do you mean don't panic? Just don't panic? No, don't stop saying panic. Okay, I'm okay. panicking now. You have something on your back. Stop, no! Stop, what is that? Stop screaming. Stop screaming. What is that? Stop what is that? Stop Do you screaming. have any on you? No, no. You, why, wait, why don't you have any on you? You need the jumpsuit. Get them off. I don't, I don't know. Get them off. Oh, my God. Get okay. No, I can't touch this blood gorge mucus sac. Can you right fling it? Can you, why don't get you just it. pick it and fling it? Just pick it and you fling it. You pick it and fling it. Can you spin Please it off? Please get it off. Get it off. I don't like touching okay, it. Okay. I don't, I'm feeling faint. They're sucking it off. They're sucking my soul out. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> Don't make that sound. <laughs> How many of them are there? Oh, there's not many. There's no, not many. It feels I... like there's so many. What are you? What are you? I feel so many. Oh, holy mother of God. Why are you praying? 
And then when he and then when he turns around and she just spews nonsense because of his apparently large member, she just makes no sense for like ninety seconds straight. It's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I oh, I really do love like there were as I said there were a bunch of like really witty lines in this movie so I wrote down a few of them I mean I think a lot of Daniel Radcliffe's lines were very cleverly crafted and I don't think I took down I don't as know if I wrote any of I would like his. but oh but he was the D exposed itself yes <laughs> yeah the D exposed itself the entire city know just the tip like I mean that's a low hanging fruit joke but I found it funny when they were on stage and she's like or they're talking about the lost city of d and the guy's like it's it's dick right (laughs) she's like no (laughs) (laughs) no oh bowen uh, Bowen yang yeah he was great too um and then i um (laughs) why were you running it's a boat yeah i loved that (laughs) yes because I feel like that is something that they could have just kept, like, he could have run and they would have tackled him right. and it would have been like, Nobody we says got anything. the bad guy. Yes, but as I was watching it, I'm like, what? He's on a boat. And then they immediately say that. It was perfect. Yeah, I think this was a movie, I think, that, like, despite not really blending the genre as well, I think it very much knew what it was. Mm-hmm. Because it, like, it sure. was camp. It, like, poked fun at mm-hmm. everything. At every instance, like the whole Brad Pitt thing and Brad Pitt coming yeah. back in the, end. at the very end of the <laughs> meditation, know. like, or like the, um, this is Alan from the touching your inner self, the meditation retreat. Like, I mean, it just, it knew what it was and it knew what it was I loved, trying I loved to do. When he was, I don't even know what he's, what the exact line was, but Chan- Channing Tatum says something about if if uh what's her name wants to go visit ancient greece and she goes how could i visit ancient greece ancient greece (laughs) or or like the um the line that the friend says the when when uh jack trainer brad pitt is like um i'll ever back in 48 hours your next rescue is free how many people how many people need a next rescue and the social media managers like more than you think (laughs) <laughs> okay, or his, social media character. History had a ton of nudity. <laughs> she says that. She just throws she, that in there at some point. <laughs> cracked me up. She had a line that was like, oh, the the the, the publisher said this too. She's going to help us target a younger demographic, meaning women in their 30s who think they're women in their 20s. <laughs> and I both felt called out and seen. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Also, I loved that yeah, the convention that they were at was called romancing the page nice nice called i didn't catch that mm-hmm. but nice nod good i like that i don't think we did we didn't do worst yet no we didn't and i i had a i had trouble with worst just because i think it was it was like everything was like everything was enjoyable it was like all kind of percolating and i just like like i did nothing stood out really to me with the worst line i think i had it, when they're in the water where he gets the leeches right before he goes she says, what do you mean you don't do water? I'm not asking you to procreate. Yeah, that was kind of... I was just like, yeah, nah. nah, not a great like, joke. I mean, and so I didn't... There were just, like, other things that I was like, I don't know if that fit necessarily, but I was just like, eh, didn't love that joke. And then I just didn't write down anything else, so, like, for... <laughs> so that was <laughs> it? Sake of, I just missed... I just didn't. So that was my worst I thing. had two things. I had one okay. monologue... That just was like, I didn't think that was necessary. It definitely seemed like something that if I made the movie, I I would have cut it and put it in the deleted scenes on the DVD. And then I had this, there was this running joke that they added towards the end that I 
didn't get at all. So the joke thing is he keeps asking her, do you smell that? What is, I don't get oh, it. What is it? Yeah. I don't get it. Just to get her to breathe. Okay. Like, then, do you smell that? Take a deep breath. That's how I took it. Because it's always yeah. a stressful moment. But I, I do. I'm like, what? That's yeah. Because he goes, hey, do you smell that? And then she's like, what? 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 And then, and then he's like, take a deep breath. And it's like, you could have just told her to take a deep breath. I don't. Yes. Asking if you smell that isn't funny. It's weird. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. It didn't. It seemed like it yeah. was being played off play. as a joke that this is like his mm-hmm. cute way to. I, I don't know. It was weird. I thought it was weird. And then I thought Beth's monologue to the police at when she finally gets to that island town or whatever was like, it wasn't bad. But it wasn't that funny, and it just felt awkward and out of place and slowed everything down. <laughs> and I was just like, this is just too much. Like, she basically gets there, and they're like, it's like 7 p.m. or whatever, and they're like, well, we're closed. And it's like the two little police guys um, just sitting on the patio playing chess outside of the police station. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of gets really, like, down and defeated and is like, I would like to have my feet and my shoulders rubbed at the same time. I know that which doesn't make they sense. they do call back Which, that was the only part that later. I liked. But then she just goes on for, like, probably two minutes about, like, how yeah, she's busted her butt for five years and how she needs to save uh, the Loretta, the author, for her own financial gain, really. (laughs) But so she could take care of her mother and all this stuff. And it just is like, I didn't, it's not that I don't care about you. And it's not that I don't think you're a good character. I just like, it slows everything down right at the peak. And it was just like completely unnecessary and awkward. Mm -hmm. So I felt like they were trying to shoehorn more for her. Right, right. And I think she had enough going on. And I think if there was some way we could have worked the double massage in, great. Because I did like that, that she got, you know. But I don't know. It just was too much. It didn't need to be there. At a two-hour-long two romantic comedy, I think we could have cut That's those long. two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Christina, what was your worst line? Yeah, I've, I had two. And I think this just goes back to... The fact that I thought that there was just zero chemistry (laughs) between the two of them because they're like trying to be really super sentimental lines and I just kind of felt nothing. They're both from Channing Tatum and he's like really just leaning into these writing cliches. Um, So one of them was in that monologue that you mentioned, Melanie, where he says, I thought you of all people wouldn't judge a book by by its cover. Where I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, we get it. She's a writer, cool. And then the other one is when they're, like, trying to decide if they are going to find these, if they're, like, going to keep going on this adventure. And he says, this is your story. You write it. Yeah. And, like, maybe there's a world where I would be like, oh, that is so sweet. He gets her. But I think just because of everything we've talked about, I was just like, Yeah, it's the wrong movie for it. It's the wrong movie. Like, yeah, that kind of fits in. 
in Romancing the Stone, he asks her multiple times. He's like, how would you write this? How would you write us out of this, Joan Wilder? And yeah. it's almost presented more in like a snarky way <laughs> because he doesn't well, take and her. And that's their relationship. Yeah, because yeah. they have that dynamic and that's his character. And he doesn't take her work seriously, you know? <laughs> so And she does. Yeah. In her in Romancing the Stone, she very mm-hmm. much does. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I think if this has... If uh, Lost City had been a movie where we had seen a different dynamic from them or we had seen that he's really sentimental and he takes her work really seriously, like like we kind of talked about, like have him be almost kind of like her little super fan. <laughs> if that had been in yeah. place and we knew that he had this like big investment in her career earlier, then maybe that wouldn't come across so cheesy. But it's also a movie that just doesn't really have any of that sentimental value until, like we talked about, they just kind of dump it on you in the yeah. last, like, ten minutes. <laughs> I I have two thoughts about that. One, with that line, the book by a cover, I was like, I, I mean, yeah, obviously she's a writer. And I was like, is that the only purpose? Because then part of me was like, oh, is there something, like, in her backstory about, like, not job, like, like a deeper level of that? And there wasn't. And so well, she, I was like, and she makes a joke a about it, too, but you barely hear it because they're like, they, it's quiet and they're panning out. And she's like, actually, it's cover model because he's the cover model. And it's like, okay, you're being rude mm-hmm. also. <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. he does say this really, like, this overly is... sentimental, cheesy thing, and then you just automatically are a brat to him about it? Okay. The other thought regarding the chemistry between Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock, I agree, it wasn't there. But I like that she got the role. Like, I mean, yeah, she's Sandra Bullock, she has a name, but she's in her late 50s. Yeah. To have some, That's like, to, in That's 2022, the fact that we're having a woman in her late 50s play this, like, sexy, romantic mm-hmm. lead in a rom-com is just, like, great. Yeah. I love that. Like, and I mean, he's 15 years younger than mm-hmm. her. Great. Let's cast that. That's great. Like, I... Chemistry aside, I love that. I will say, I wonder if somebody like Jennifer Aniston, where you're not expecting like the quirkiness as much with Sandra, like because you expect Sandra Bullock to play kind of not straight man. Mm-hmm. Like she, she gender in in these types of roles, she doesn't do that. Like she, in plenty of roles, she mm-hmm. does in her dramatic stuff. But like where somebody like Jennifer Aniston, who has that same kind of wit, and but she generally plays a little bit more. Like voice of reason, kind of, maybe not. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I wonder if that would have been like, I, I don't know, because I see what your point was, Christina, about like how you expect Sandra Bullock to kind of be a little quirkier. Well, and she's very much known for like her physical humor, and we didn't really get and there any wasn't of that. Any I think that. they tried to work mm-hmm. that in a little bit with like the jumpsuit and the chair, and it just was never enough. I. It just never was enough for her to, like, really get into, like, some some of her typical, like, physical humor movement. Yeah. So. I did like the line, the, um, that this is not a situation for you to rip off your shirt. Not your shirt. Not my shirt. (laughs) Not my shirt. (laughs) Um, also, I just have to say, we've talked about Brad Pitt already, but I just have to talk about the wheelbarrow part. With Brad Pitt pushing it, yes. Sandra Bullock is sitting there like she's like, oh my god, in slow mo to Pat Benatar, yes. like that. It's no awesome. lines are said, but I feel like that was all I needed from the movie. 
Yeah, that was. There it was. I like the this movie worked best when it leaned into the camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When it just was like we are going pure camp. It is just like okay, romance, whatever, action, whatever. We are going to make this the campiest yeah. version of this we can. Like totally. that's when the movie worked best. Speaking of which, honorary mention line. One of Daniel Radcliffe's is that a Ken doll on a moped? <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that whole scene when they're in like the the like armored the tank with yes. the minibar. That was all of that was hilarious. I loved that. Oh man, yeah, yeah that was good. Yeah, I think it was like we have this. It, it, they're doing two totally different things because we have romancing the stone, which is like very much keeping itself grounded and never saying isn't this ridiculous and so it does have that like I think that that's what makes it more of a classic adventure movie is that we can buy the adventure because they do Mm -hmm. go they do such a nice job of making it feel like oh yeah like everybody's taking this seriously there's funny lines there are funny things going on but everybody is taking this seriously. But then we have Lost City where it's very much like, no, we, we found the, we found the realism. We found the grounding and we went way past it. We blew the top off. We want to talk about how ridiculous this is. We want it to seem ridiculous and look ridiculous. And the actors, even at some, like we talk about Sandra Bullock being the straight man, but really the only person who's taking any of this plot seriously is Channing Tatum, who is very concerned the whole time, <laughs> very worried for himself and other people, and the villain who wants the jewels. Everybody else is very much has this attitude like, this is fucking ridiculous and I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, why am I having I to was... deal with this? This is not something that happens in reality. And then you have, like, the character that's supposed to be the super, super serious character, and he is a caricature. He's a farce. You know, we've got our uh, Brad Pitt character, and he's so serious that it's ridiculous. So yeah. definitely, we I, ha- I think that's where I kind of see where we have just a comedy that really does make you laugh, and you can really just take it for, like, this comedy. But it's not going to quite reach that, like, classic uh, multi-genre pinnacle that romancing the stone i think achieved romancing the stone i'd say mm-hmm. solid a movie solid 95 percent. lost city i think i'd probably say it's a what do you guys think a b b minus yeah. i don't know i i really i would say it's a b yeah. i would recommend it like as i said i called my yeah. parents immediately mm-hmm. and was like they will this is the type of movie that they don't need to think about. They will thoroughly enjoy. They both enjoy Channing Tatum movies. It has a bit of action. It has a like, they both like Daniel Radcliffe. It's comedy. Like I called them immediately and I said, "Watch it." Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would even say I would take a sequel of this. I'll say that. If it's still Daniel Radcliffe, if it's if it's Fairfax, uh what's his name? He's not Leslie, he's not Beverly. He's I thought he was Beverly. Is he Beverly? Which one is he? <laughs> what is his name? <laughs> I got to look it up. So if it's if it's Revenge of Daniel Radcliffe as the villain, I would take a sequel. Yeah. I'm I would on. say I'm my wrap-up of these two movies is I loved Romancing the Stone. Oh. Can't believe that I haven't seen He's it. He's Abigail. And... Abigail. 
<laughs> and then his brothers, even his brothers are Beverly and Leslie that he mentions. Which are like, <laughs> yeah, that's yes. That's so if it's funny. the revenge of Abigail Fairfax and he's going, <laughs> going after some other ridiculous jewel that she happens to have some archeo- archaeological knowledge of. I, I could, I could do it. I could do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, Christina, do you have any final thoughts on the movie? <laughs> on both the I movies? I feel like I have, I have a hard time wrapping both of these up because I, I feel like I have such a blind spot with romancing the stone that I feel like I just can't critique it. <laughs> I don't think you do though, <laughs> because say... we really had a hard time critiquing it. Like all of us. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that's I, I don't think it's a blind spot. And it, and I don't think a lot of I think a lot of people share your feelings of this because I I was reading in some other articles that Romancing the Stone may have been an example of a near mythical four quadrant classic, but it was also fundamentally a women's narrative, something its sequel and subsequent attempts at follow ups never seemed to grasp. So like I think a lot of people hold Romancing the Stone as like that. Okay, it, it hit upon something that was very hard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sorry, yeah, Christina, I, I under. But do you have any final thoughts on Lost City? Lost City, I feel like I agree with what you guys are saying, that, like, it is the perfect, easy-watching movie as long as you just go into it knowing what it is and, like, just not not taking it too seriously and just appreciating it for, like, the comedy and the – I don't know. I think that that is – they serve different purposes. Mm -hmm, Even though they they follow such similar storylines, they serve very different purposes. And I'm glad they do because, like, mm-hmm. I i mean, I have can talk a lot about remakes because I have opinions on when they, like, try to remake movies. But, like, I'm glad that this one was very much like, okay, it's an homage to and, like, a – because that's what it really mm-hmm. was. It's kind of like an homage to Romancing the Stone but not mm-hmm. Romancing the Stone. Yeah, it's one uh, of those, like, what if this is actually this? What if this movie mm-hmm. is actually, you know, about a ditzy cover model man – and the woman actually knows this archaeology, and we make it really silly. Like, so it's not like a remake or a reboot or a straight up stealing anything. It's kind of like, hey, nobody's done anything with this concept in a while, so mm-hmm. we could take some of what people kind of liked about this concept, and then we can put a spin and on twist it. it a little bit. I. I thoroughly enjoyed both of these. This was a good week. Me too. This was a good week. Christina, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, Christy, talk to us a little bit about Mental Health Awareness Month. This this episode should come out in May. We'll we'll just make it come out in May. Yeah, we'll make it come out. So talk to us a little bit. Maybe the end of May. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, um, obviously mental health is something that everyone should be taking care of. If that's not on your radar, it should be, but I Don't Mind is a mental health awareness program. It, we are a campaign through Mental Health America, and uh, the whole idea is to have open and honest conversations about your mental health. So if you aren't already doing that, you can follow us at I Don't Mind on Instagram or idontmind.com, and um, there are some resources there to get people kind of more comfortable with their mental health and kind of easing people into having those conversations. So that's something I'm really passionate about. What would you say, what would you say, like, does anybody in either of these movies need therapy for something? All of them. Every single person. <laughs> <of them>. Everybody <laughs> needs therapy, but like, like, 
Um, I think that Loretta Sage probably had some undiagnosed depression. She didn't deal with the trauma of her husband dying unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And I think that with Joan Wilder, we've got some anxiety issues. Some maybe, you know, because people don't get sick in department stores unless they have anxiety. Let's just say that. Or they had a really bad mall pretzel or something, but... (laughs) (laughs) the only person that doesn't need therapy is jack trainer he's very (laughs) very clearly in touch with his inner child and he has good tools Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. he does indeed um i want to circle back to i don't mind for a second they do i have been following i don't mind for a while on instagram you guys post great resources i have i should have worn my i don't mind hat today to match (gasps) yours because i did get one a while ago and I wear it all the time. I was like, oh, but no, great I should resources. wear my I Don't Mind t-shirt because Chrissy's coming today and it doesn't fit because oh. I'm 24 weeks pregnant and I'm like, I'm not stretching be... these out because if I had put no. it on today, I would have stretched it out. It's a, it's a small yeah. women's, mm-hmm. like the actual women's cut, I think. But oh, yeah. so I need to like get on and get. Cause there's a new line, so I need to get on yeah, and get like a medium collection, medium men's or unisex. Yeah, um, I can help you out so that so that I don't stretch it. <laughs> yeah, out I think you have a hookup beyond repair. Because yeah. <laughs> I was really like, yeah, I'll wear it, and then I but all my sweatshirts fit. But it's 95 degrees here today, so that's oh gosh, not gonna, no sweatshirts. It's gonna be like 95 here <sighs> this weekend, I think. Oh. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to maybe go to the beach. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us, yes. Christina. This is thank so much fun. And do I so have fun. permission to post the Joan Wilder cosplay on Instagram? <laughs> yes. 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 I, you can see I have that. a stack of copies ready to go for. Can you yes. autograph them? <laughs> uh, yes. Signed all of okay, it. Okay, cool. I'll Amazing. need like 25 so, signed Joan Wilder, mm-hmm. Joan great. Wilder cosplay That'll... glossies, eight by ten. Yeah, great. Okay, um, just eight by ten. We... Okay, well. So, if you want to see that picture of Christina as Joan Wilder um, from when she was four, you can see that and all of our updates at Best Line Worst Line on Instagram and. Jess, where else can they find us? Because I always get this wrong. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you ever need any information or updates or a catalog of our previous episodes, you can just go to our website, www.bestlineworstline.com. All one word, no spaces, no dashes. And yeah, so as far as social media, everything is on Instagram. and uh, But we're available to listen to on Spotify. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and Google. So please follow, subscribe, wow, whatever you got to do there. Um, and you can always download episodes directly from our website. Um, next, next episode, we're going to get a little, oh, I'm we're, so... we're getting like whew, campier than Wacky. this. <laughs> Wacky. This may it be is... the ultimate when... camp that we do. I don't know, unless we find this Jeff Goldblum jungle movie but we'll be doing a nice little summer kickoff with the fantastically wacky movie barb and star go to vista del mar which i oh my gosh i i won't even say anything because i have right now because i just cannot wait to talk about that yes. i love that so movie. 
so Melanie much. and I watched this together, cyber together, <laughs> when it first came out for streaming. And I think that's where we should leave it. And we were, like, immediately obsessed. So we thought this was the perfect way to kick off, like, the hot, beachy vacation summer season. And, uh, yeah, so go go watch it. Yes, go watch it, because we're going to have a lot of fun. fun. And I had a lot of fun this week. Thank you again, Christina. Yes, thank you again, Christina. This was great. Um, We're going to have to have you back. We will be having you back, because you are not just a professional Joan Wilder cosplayer, but you are an expert on uh, some Halloween movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next time.